law of self-defense content you are about to enjoy is presented for general educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. If you are in need of legal advice, consult competent legal counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Hey folks, I'm attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense, probably most familiar to many of thousands of you through my daily coverage of the murder trial of Derek Chauvin over the in-custody death of George Floyd. I trust you found that coverage to be informative and enjoyable and perhaps a little bit different than the mainstream media coverage of the same trial. Presumably that's the case, or you wouldn't still be watching these videos and reading my blog posts or listening to our podcast. Now, covering trials at this level of intensity, however, while it's something we do for many high-profile cases, such as the Chauvin trial, That isn't our normal day-to-day work at Law Self-Defense. Rather, the core of our business is to provide normal, law-abiding folks just like you with the information you need to make better informed, more confident, more legally sound, and more decisive decisions in defending yourself, your family, and your property against criminal predation. Folks, when you use force or even threaten to use force against another person, you're almost certainly doing so in the genuine good faith belief that you're acting lawfully. But are you sure? And can you afford to be wrong? It's been my experience that if a person has learned their self-defense law from the internet or from gun magazines, even a CCW class, or even from that retired cop neighbor down the street, much of what they've learned is simply wrong, and a good chunk of it is outright dangerous. Because at the end of the day, the police, prosecutors, judges, and juries don't care at all about what you thought your conduct was consistent with the law. They only care if your conduct actually was consistent with the law. And if it wasn't, it's not hard at all to find yourself looking at a 10 or 20-year felony sentence despite the best of your intentions. Don't be that person, shocked, calling my office for help, only to have me tell you that There's not much I can do at that point. I'm a pretty good lawyer, but I'm stuck with the facts you give me. If you've actually broken the rules, well, you broke the rules. The good news is you don't have to be that person. Self-defense law isn't really rocket science, and all most people need is a solid and reliable source for what the law is and to have the legalese translated into plain English so that the knowledge is actionable for them in that moment of crisis. Many of you own a gun or carry a gun so that you're hard to kill. Your family is hard to kill, right? Certainly that's what I do. Well, you also owe it to yourself and to your family to know the law so that you're hard to convict. And that's where we come in at Law Self-Defense. Through our books, our video courses, both online and DVD, our occasional public blogging like we're doing now for the Chauvin case, also the podcasting. And mostly through our near-daily plain English self-defense law content we produce exclusively for our Law of Self-Defense members, we do our very best for our community to help them be hard to kill and hard to convict. Now, one part of all that is to keep our members updated on any important changes in self-defense law. And a recent example of this updating is what prompted me to share today's Law of Self-Defense content with all of you. Uh, specifically, on April 6th, 2021, um, just a few days ago, Ohio became the 38th stand-your-ground state in the U.S., and we just pushed out updated educational materials on that important law change to our Law of Self-Defense members. Now, normally this is exactly the kind of content that would go out only to our members. 
But as we transition out of coverage of the Chauvin trial, which we've deliberately left open access to everyone, and we move back to our normal practice of limiting our content access to the members who make our work possible, we wanted to give you all an opportunity to see kind of our regular workflow too. So today, I'd like to share with you that update to Ohio Law as we pushed it out to our members in video and in audio form. Now, although this update is, of course, as I've said, specific to Ohio, I'm hoping it will provide a better sense of how we routinely serve our members uh, than our somewhat unusual coverage of the Chauvin trial might suggest. Also, although this update is for Ohio law, we do have state-specific advanced courses available for all 50 states in both DVD and online stream format that provide in-depth, legally sound, but translated into plain English guidance on the self-defense law of each and every state. So no matter what state you're from, we've got you covered. In fact, considering the many thousands of you who just recently became aware of us through our coverage of the Chauvin trial, we've put together a very special offer for all of you watching or listening to or reading this. You can get the DVD or online streamed Law of Self-Defense Advanced State-Specific Course for your state at up to 60% off the usual price. Folks, that's a savings of almost $200. Now, if you're wondering if there's a catch, the answer is yes. We're going to leave this offer up only until we have a verdict or potentially a mistrial in the Chauvin trial. Once either a verdict is rendered or a mistrial announced, this opportunity will be gone. So bottom line, if you're at all interested, I urge you to take a look at this fantastic offer for the Law of Self-Defense Advanced State-Specific Course for your state or any state you might have an interest in right now by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com slash state. In the meantime, I'm going to embed that update for Ohio Stand Your Ground Law into the text version of today's content. Uh, It'll be both in video form and in audio form, of course, if you're listening to this as a podcast episode. Hey, folks, Attorney Andrew Branker here. Welcome to the Law of Self-Defense Level 1 Class Ohio Supplement. This is Section 6 of that supplement where we talk about the element of avoidance. Remember, there's up to five elements of a claim of self-defense. They are innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. And when all the required elements are present, we have a valid use of force in self-defense. But if the prosecution can disprove any one of the required elements beyond a reasonable doubt, well, then your claim of self-defense collapses. So here we are to talk about the element of avoidance, and this is particularly apt because you heard me say it's up to five elements. So five elements apply, that's the maximum, unless one or more of them is waived for some reason. And the most commonly waived of the five elements is the element of avoidance. When it's waived, it's no longer required as an element, and therefore we're down to four required elements for self-defense instead of the maximum of five. So what does the element of avoidance have to do with? It has to do with whether or not your jurisdiction or the jurisdiction you're in when you have to defend yourself imposes a legal duty to retreat, to run away, before you can lawfully use force in self-defense. States that require this avoidance element are called duty-to-retreat states, and in those states, failing to retreat when there's a safe means to do so strips you of your right to argue self-defense as a matter of law. 
it's gone. States that do not impose a legal duty to retreat before you can lawfully defend yourself are instead termed stand your ground states. And that's by far the large majority of states. About 38 out of 50 states are stand your ground states. So the good news for all of you in Ohio is that effective April 6, 2021, Ohio became a hard stand your ground state. Uh, prior to that date of April 6, 2021, Ohio was a duty to retreat state, at least in the context of deadly defensive force. It never imposed a duty to retreat if all you were using was non-deadly defensive force. But if you were defending yourself with deadly force, you had a legal duty to retreat under Ohio law. Now, that date is important, both because that's the date the law takes effect, but it has other implications. Uh, there's obviously scores of years of appellate court decisions of case law in Ohio dealing with self-defense, use of force, and by extension, dealing with this legal duty to retreat. That was the law when those court decisions were handed down. It takes time, sometimes years, for court decisions to work their way through the criminal justice pipeline that begin incorporating new law. So if you do your own research on appellate court decisions in Ohio on this issue of avoidance, this legal duty to retreat, they're all going to be citing the law as it existed at the time those decisions were handed down, and they'll be talking about Ohio having a legal duty to retreat. It won't be until we have cases based on events happening after April 6, 2021, that go through a trial, end up in a conviction, the defendant appeals this conviction and ends up in the appellate court system before we begin seeing appellate court cases that are decided based on the new law, the new stand your ground law in Ohio. So just keep in mind, there's a delay in effect before the appellate court decisions begin to reflect a newly adopted law of such substantial change. Also, it means the Ohio jury instructions are going to take time to reflect this change until they are updated by the courts. Uh, and they're not updated on an ongoing basis, typically. Often uh, every year or two years, uh, the the state Supreme Court will put together a panel of legal experts to review and update the jury instructions. But until that happens, uh, the jury instructions on self-defense use of force law in Ohio are likely to continue to reflect the old law that imposed a legal duty to retreat before they begin um, getting updated and reflecting the new stand your ground law in Ohio. So be aware. Now, if you were actually involved in a case, uh, a use of force case, and the um, evidence was presented in court, and the jury was going to go into deliberations, and the judge was going to be giving them jury instructions on self-defense. The jury instructions, the standard ones, might still reflect the old law, but in that situation, what would happen is your attorney and the prosecutors would sit down with the judge and ensure that the jury instructions actually given to that jury for your case were updated to reflect the current accurate stand your ground state of the law in Ohio. So let's take a look at the revised version of statute 2901.09, which is where these changes were made on the duty to retreat. It's got a new title for the statute. It now reads, when there is no duty to retreat before using force and self-defense, defense of another or defense of residence, has three paragraphs in it. The first merely tells us that the term residence has the same meaning as defined elsewhere in Ohio statutory code. Now, the reference here to residence used to have two important implications here. It still has one, but only one. So the two used to be that you um, 
have particular rights under Ohio to use force in defense of your residence. So there's special provisions that give you different privileges to use force in defense of your residence than if you were just walking down the street. So residence still has that important application in use of force law. The second way that residence used to be important is that it established castle doctrine privileges that relieved you of Ohio's old legal duty to retreat before you could defend yourself. We'll come back to that in more detail in just a moment. Um, but now residence in the statute only refers to the implications for defensive property. So let's proceed to paragraph B. This is really where the stand your ground language has been incorporated into the statute. For purposes of any section of the revised code, meaning just Ohio statutes, that sets forth a criminal offense, a person has no duty to retreat before using force in self-defense, defense of another, or defense of that person's residence if that person is in a place where the person lawfully has a right to be. That's it, folks. That's classic stand your ground. Uh, I will note that many states have a second condition. So there's one condition for stand your ground here. That is that you're in a place you lawfully have a right to be. Most states will also add in and they were not engaged in unlawful activity. For example, concealed carrying a pistol where your state doesn't allow you to carry a pistol, say a posted business or a school or something along those lines. Ohio chose not to include that second condition in their stand your ground statute. So under Ohio law, you qualify for stand your ground so long as you are in a place where you have a right to be. They don't have the condition of not otherwise being engaged in unlawful activity. There's also a third paragraph C, but I'm going to Pause for just a moment to give you some explanatory information before we dive into C. So now a myth about stand your ground is that it means the prosecutor can't use your failure to retreat before you used force and self-defense against you in a court of law. But that's not quite right. It merely means they can't automatically strip you of your right to argue self-defense just because you failed to retreat. Uh, they can't say you violated a legal duty to retreat. There is no legal duty to retreat in a stand your ground state. But in most stand-your-ground states, the prosecution can still argue to the finder of fact, that's usually the jury, although it could be the judge in a bench trial, but the prosecution can still argue to the finder of fact that, sure, you didn't have a legal duty to retreat, but you could have safely retreated, and a reasonable person would have safely retreated, and therefore your use of force was not really necessary or reasonable, and you fail the element of reasonableness, and you lose self-defense because you've lost that element rather than having lost the element of avoidance, which is no longer required in a stand your ground jurisdiction. It's kind of a backdoor way of attacking your failure to safely retreat, even in stand your ground states where avoidance is, strictly speaking, no longer required. Now, in hard stand your ground states, the prosecution is prohibited from making that, well, a reasonable person would have, so you should deny self-defense on the basis of reasonableness, argument. In the hard stand your ground states, avoidance is entirely taken off the table as a factor in your otherwise lawful claim of self-defense. Now, this is usually worded as in those hard stand your ground states as a prohibition to the finder of fact. Again, usually the jury is the finder of fact, although it could be a judge in a bench trial, but it's a prohibition to the finder of fact that they may not consider the possibility of retreat in evaluating reasonableness of a self-defense claim. And we see that language in this paragraph C, the third and final paragraph of statute 2901.09, 
Quote, a trier of fact shall not consider the possibility of retreat as a factor in determining whether or not a person who used force in self-defense, defense of another, or defense of that person's residence reasonably believed that the force was necessary to prevent injury, loss, or risk to life or safety. So that's it. Congratulations, Ohio. You're not just a stand-your-ground state. You're one of the few hard stand-your-ground states. Now, just for purposes of completeness, I want to expose you to what Ohio law looked like before April 6, 2021, when it was still a duty-to-retreat state. Then the legal standard was that a defendant in a self-defense case or defense of others or defense of property had a duty-to-retreat if he had a reasonable means of escape. And the law interpreted that, the courts interpreted reasonable means of escape to basically mean an, a safe means of escape. Uh, then, with that generalized legal duty to retreat, if safe retreat was possible, Ohio would carve out a variety of complicated exceptions that relieved a defender of this otherwise existing duty to retreat. Uh, and usually those exceptions were in the context of various forms of highly defensible property. So you had this generalized legal duty to retreat as safely possible unless you fit one of these exceptions. And these carve-outs are really properly referred to as the Castle Doctrine exceptions. Um, so you're relieved of that generalized legal duty to retreat if defending while in your home or a home you're visiting as a guest or the curtilage around that home or your business or your own vehicle or a vehicle owned by a spouse or sibling or child, but not by a parent or aunt or uncle or cousin. Uh, so you can see it gets kind of complicated knowing what all these exceptions might be to the generalized legal duty to retreat that used to exist under Ohio law. The good news is now none of those castle doctrine carve outs are relevant anymore. Um, all those exceptions to the previously imposed legal duty to retreat have been made irrelevant effective April 6, 2021, because there is no longer a generalized legal duty to retreat under Ohio law. So you don't need exceptions to a duty that's not being imposed. You may stand your ground anywhere you have a right to be, and it doesn't matter if your defense occurs in the context of any particular highly defensible property. Okay, folks, as we wrap up our discussion of the element of avoidance under Ohio law, remember, there are up to five elements of a claim of self-defense. They are innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. When all the required elements are present and under Ohio law, if you have an otherwise lawful use of force in self-defense, the element of avoidance is no longer required. So you're only talking really about Four elements then, innocence, eminence, proportionality, and reasonableness. But when all the required elements are present, you have a valid use of force in self-defense. But if the prosecution can disprove beyond a reasonable doubt any one of the required elements, again, under Ohio law now, effective April 6, 2021, those are the four elements of innocence, eminence, proportionality, and reasonableness. If the prosecution can disprove one of those four elements beyond a reasonable doubt, under Ohio law, your claim of self-defense collapses. All right, folks, that's it for avoidance. In our next section of the Law of Self-Defense Level 1 class, Ohio Supplement, we'll take a look at the final element of a claim of self-defense, the element of reasonable. Okay, folks, that's all I have for now. Be sure to join me again on Monday morning for our live coverage of the Chauvin trial, a morning that will include closing arguments by both the state and the defense, and surely a 
follow-on rebuttal closing by the state again, and the reading of the final jury instructions to the jury. We'll be covering that over at Legal Insurrection at LegalInsurrection.com. Until then, I'll just urge you once again, remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, so your family is hard to kill. Well, folks, you owe it to yourself and your family to know the law so that you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.